What is your story? What brought you to recovery? What challenges have you faced and what have you found here? Welcome to episode 176 of The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at the recovery show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me is Laura. Welcome to The Recovery Show, Laura. Hi, Spencer. Hey, you picked a couple of readings for us to start with. Can you introduce them? Yes, I am reading from the big Alanon book, How Alanon Works for Families and Friends of Alcoholic, and I'm reading about recognizing our options. Alcoholics act and family members and friends react. Most of the time we react because we don't realize we have a choice. It's automatic. In Al-Anon, we are reminded that we have choices. Just because the alcoholic gets drunk, acts out, fails to meet an obligation, declares that the sky is orange or makes or breaks a promise, does not mean that those who care about him or her must do what we have always done before. We're not trapped. We have choices. It's as if we were holding one end of a rope and an alcoholic grabbed the other end and started to tug. Most of us would react automatically. We would tug back. It never occurs to us that we don't have to play. If we knew we had options, we might choose to drop the rope. There is no tug of war unless both players hang on to their ends. By taking note of what we do in reaction to alcoholic behavior, we can begin to see the choices we already unconsciously making. Further examination, discussion with other Al-Anon members, and use of the slogans and steps can help us to discover options we never knew we had. Perhaps we will even decide to drop the rope. Thanks. And I, I love that particular reading. I have it highlighted in my copy of the book, um, and particularly the section about dropping the rope. Mm-hmm. That, was, yes. that was so important to me um, early in my recovery And you had another reading that you also wanted to share. I would like to share today's reading from the Al-Anon Daily Reader. Sometimes it is good to examine a commonplace familiar phrase, meditate on it, take it apart, and explore its inner meaning. We hear someone say, he's standing in his own light. How clearly the picture emerges of our shadowing our own happiness by mistaken thinking. Let us stand aside so the light can shine on us and on all we do so we can see ourselves and our circumstances with true clarity. If we have Al-Anon, there is no need to stand in our own light and try to solve our problems in darkness. The ways and means that Al-Anon offers have lightened the way for so many thousands of despairing people that no one can question their power. Today's reminder, when I'm faced with a problem that seems impossible to solve, When I feel trapped in a situation and can see no way out, let me ask myself whether I'm standing in my own light. I must find the vantage point where I can most clearly see my difficulty as it is. Then answers will come, and the light shall shine in dark places and make all clear as day. Why don't we start, and you tell me a little bit about why you picked those readings. 
It has a lot to do with choices. I am fairly new in my recovery. I started this year, back in March. And back then, I didn't think I had choices, or I thought all the choices I had were taken away from me. So this, this reading reminds me that I always do have choices and that I just need to choose to take them. And the image of the rope is an image that really works for me, especially I was in a situation where my qualifier is and was very strong. And yes, sometimes I did believe the sky was orange and I was questioning my own thoughts and my own actions. And this is what I've learned to um, unlearn. The idea that I have choices has made me stronger. And yeah, this is an Al-Anon effect. That is so true. Um, I don't think I even could have put it that clearly for me that I could have recognized that I didn't have choices or that I was telling myself that I didn't have choices because I was so tied up in the situation, so tied up in the, the effects of alcoholism that I just was, as the first reading says, I was reacting. Mm-hmm. I wasn't responding, I wasn't choosing, I was just reacting, I was doing what I thought I had to do. That was just the thing that had to be done. And to think that I might have had choices about even whether to react was so foreign to me. I was always holding on to the rope. I was holding on to the rope for dear life. Those really do reflect, I think, the way that certainly for me, and, and as you said, for you, many of us find ourselves just sucked into a situation and feeling like there's there is no choice and so that's it's wonderful to discover that we have we actually can make some choices yes we can you see you came in in march how did you how did you hear about Al-Anon or find out about Al-Anon or find you find yourself coming I didn't really have any idea about Al-Anon or AAs actually I knew AAs from House of Cards I know that there's a character there who goes to AA meetings. I had no idea. Yeah, I was just at the end, at the end of it. I felt like I had no choices. I was married to, am still married to an alcoholic and I didn't know, I just didn't know what to do. I had searched for AA meetings for him, printed it out, sent him emails, nothing worked. (laughs) And yeah, I was sitting at my kitchen table uh, at the beginning of March And I just Googled things. I Googled unhappy, alcoholic, marriage, help. I put so many words together. Mm -hmm. And I got to an AA site in German, which is not my mother tongue, although I can read and write and express myself quite well. But somehow I didn't understand that within AA there was also a link for Al-Anon. And I didn't know what Al-Anon was. But that day it happened. Uh, at the beginning of March of 2016, I sat there at my kitchen table and I googled a few words and this, this page appeared. And then I clicked the link onto Al-Anon and I saw that there were meetings in my city. And then I saw there were meetings in English and I saw there were meetings uh, not far away from my house. And so I, I thought this might be good and I wrote it down. I was really, really at a, in a bad state. And so 
it didn't take me so long. I went that week. I drove there and I I got to the meeting late, which is something that I normally don't do, but there were a lot of obstacles and I walked in and uh, yeah, I met a wonderful group of people who welcomed me and um, that I still see every day. I mean, every week, actually. One of the things that I remember from when you wrote me that it w- you were looking for resources in English because uh, German, as you say, was not your, not your native tongue. Um, and so I imagine that finding Al-Anon resources or finding recovery resources in, in English when you're living in another country, uh, maybe there may be some difficulties, some challenges there. Yes, I mean, it's the language and it's also the culture. I, I work with languages and culture. Uh, that's part of my work. It goes beyond, I think, it goes beyond a language. It's really about how the culture uh, is behind that language. I know German-speaking meetings here in Munich, for example, are a bit different than the English-speaking meetings. For example, I think the, the idea of a sponsor, sponsorship is not um, something that the German meetings apply so strictly. Also, I think they have longer meetings with a break in between. In terms of shares, uh, you're supposed to um, let your chair know ahead of time if you're going to be sharing. So it's a little bit different. This doesn't take away from the, the warmth that you get when you go to a German-speaking meeting. I, I happened to be on holiday in another part of Germany this summer, and it was in the middle of nowhere, and I had to go to a German-speaking meeting. And I, as I said, I don't have a big problem with the language. I can express myself quite well. I understand almost everything. I just felt better in an English-speaking group. So I went to this German meeting, and it, it was different. It was quite different in terms of how it was organized, and obviously it was different to express myself about these uh, thematics in, in German, but the welcome I got was as warm as the one I, I got in Munich my first time. The people looked different. They were a bit older. They were a little bit more local, but it was amazing to see that, um, yeah, it was amazing to see that um, that Al-Anon is a big family. You can go on vacation and, and go to your Al-Anon meeting. And the welcome I got, as I said, was as, as wonderful as the one I got in my first meeting. And so I'm really thankful. Um, in terms of literature, yes, I definitely wouldn't be getting so much out of it if I were to read it in German. And I wouldn't have so much patience for, patience for it. I mean, Munich is a big city. We can organize ourselves by having a lot of material shipped from the U.S. or mm-hmm. England. We can order it online. We have a great uh, literature chairperson in our group. There's a lot online. So that does make a difference. But I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful I got to read the books in English. And also, I, I come also from the literature world. And I'm, I know the books were written in English. So I'm always a big fan of reading in the original language. And so um, the big book was written in English, and um, I was glad to be able to read that in that language. You actually touched on something I was going to ask, which is is about finding literature, because I know a couple of years ago I, I did a series with a woman from uh, another part of Germany who was German, and she was talking about the translation and that some of the literature is not available in translation yet, I think. 
And so I wondered, well, how do you, you know, how do you find them? And, and I, and you answered that because you, you, you order them online or you order them to be shipped from. Um, and I guess that's, that, that's probably not, um, inexpensive, is it? No, it's not. The shipping costs are pretty high. That's why we try as a group to, to do a big order. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that some people order through an American base. I don't know how, um, how legal, how the details are, but, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I think nowadays, uh, there's a lot of English speaking people in Germany and in Europe in general. So, uh, even more, um, hopefully more, um, meetings will pop up for now. There's one on Tuesday evenings, my lovely group. And I'm, I mean, it's not mine. I just arrived and they're mm-hmm. so welcoming mm-hmm. and, it is very international, and I and I do appreciate that because, as I said, to be in a very local German setting over the summer, I, I was questioning at all the idea of, of attending. But it was it was a good choice. I went, and they made me feel good. I was just a bit insecure mm-hmm. about my own self. Yeah, I can I can understand that. I've been to I've been to meetings in different parts of the United States. I have not, and actually in Canada as well. I guess. Uh, and of course they're all in English, but as you say, the, the culture is, is a little bit different even from one part of the United States to another. Uh, I remember going to a meeting in California that was organized very differently than the ones that I'm used to. It was much more, um, regimented, I guess is a word that had, uh, reading around the table in order and then sharing around the table in order. And if they didn't get to you, they didn't get to you. And they had a timer, which we, the meetings that I go to don't have a timer. And I can see with a meeting as big as that one was that, you know, that, that helps to uh, allow people to, more people to share. It was also longer, had a break in the middle, all these things I'm not used to. <laughs> yeah. Um, On the other hand, I see how Alano brings everybody together. I was just sharing with my group this past week how I went to a meeting and somebody, spoke about her sponsorship um, situation. And this was a a woman from New York, a Jewish woman. She had studied feminist theory, very interesting woman. And her sponsor was a Baptist African-American woman, Mm. older. And it worked wonders. (laughs) They got along very well. And, you know, at first you would have thought, oh, this is a bit odd, but it was wonderful. And and that's what I like about our, um, our group. We're all very different. We come from different backgrounds, different ages, different languages, um, but we all have a lot in common. I guess one thing that I find interesting about, you know, what you're saying about the different cultures is, is I have to assume that in the English-speaking meeting that there are people from different countries, different cultures that are coming because that's a common language. And I wonder how that sort of plays into the um, connection, and I think you sort of—I mean, you—you you pointed out that that even within the U.S., um, that we have we have great differences, and that and that the commonality of—and I think that's you know probably what it is—is is the commonality of our experience and our needs um, in coming to to Al-Anon really helped to uh, to bridge those gaps. Yes, I, I think so. I definitely think so. My experience has been that. 
in a few meetings, I thought, I have nothing in common with these people. We, we come from different backgrounds. I don't know, I was, I was perhaps being judgmental, and that's what I'm trying to overcome day by day. And then I very well remember one meeting in which a person um, started her share, and it came across to me as this person wasn't really well-spoken and was just sort of uh, getting lost in her own uh, complainings. And then she used the word paradigm, and I thought, oh, that's a good word. And I thought, wow, it might, there might be more to this share into this person that I, that I have thought. And it turns out she's a very eloquent uh, speaker. I was just too full of myself in my own head and I was not listening properly. And I find the shares of the, this particular person quite interesting now because I opened up a little bit more. That is such a beautiful observation. And I know that, that one of the things that, that, being in Al-Anon has taught me and is continuing to teach me is to listen. Listen to the thoughts, listen to the meaning, listen to the intent, and and not so much to the person, um, to the personality, to my judgment of the person. Um, and uh, a friend of mine, a friend of mine says that when she's in a meeting, she hears the voice of her higher power much more clearly because she's open to listening. That it's it's sort of an intentional opening herself to listen and, and, and she hears what she needs to hear much more clearly. And I have had that experience of uh, prejudging someone based on how they look, how they talk, about the fact that, as you say, they get lost in their complaining. And I know, I'm sure, when I was new in the program, I got lost in my complaining plenty of times. My training was academic. I was a teacher, a professor for a while, and and I feel like I know how to organize my thoughts. I know how to you know, put together a point and express it clearly. But that doesn't always happen. Uh, sometimes I ramble. Sometimes I'm lost in my complaining. And, and it's, it's good to be reminded that that's just part of, of being human and to, uh, as you say, listen, listen for the message and open up. So you're fairly new in, in recovery, but how do you see your life already changing maybe the way that you approach things the way that you see yourself even? Gosh, I've, I've changed already, I think, quite a bit. I was really at a, at a low point in March. And so I, I rolled up my sleeves and I, I just really worked hard at my program. Um, I got myself a sponsor right away. I got myself the books right away. I started coming to the meetings. I had picked out a service for myself. I was really, and I'm still really committed. I saw that I needed it. I mean, I really had no other choice, but this choice, to have choices. I've understood that I, it's okay to take care of myself. I was one of those people who always took care of others and then wanted to be somehow thanked or acknowledged for. And um, I thought it was selfish to take care of myself. 
And now I see that it's not selfish at all, that it's necessary and that I'm of better use, so to speak, for others, also other members of my family, if I feel better about myself. So now I have no doubts about that. Before I did. You, you said you got a sponsor and that's, that's uh, you know, to my experience in locally, a lot of people don't have sponsors. So many meetings that I've gone to don't emphasize sponsorship. It seems rare sometimes that, that people have sponsors or that they use their sponsors effectively. I know you said that you didn't see such an emphasis on sponsorship in the, in the German meetings. And I assume that means that there is some emphasis on sponsorship in the meeting that you do attend. Yes, there is. Um, it was mentioned Right away, it's mentioned at the beginning of every meeting, we have a raise of hands of those people who are um, willing to sponsor. I didn't know what sponsorship was. I came in late, so I missed this part, my first meeting. Um, but I got a first-time package, and I read about that. The fir My first meeting was very powerful. I really, really sobbed all, all the way throughout that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, now I, I see it almost like a movie from the outside. I was extremely emotional. Every Everything I heard touched me. It was something I either had experienced or was experiencing. The shares of the other people touched me so deeply. We also have in our group some sort of little posters um, with slogans. Wait, why am I talking? Or different slogans. And they really spoke out to me. I, I, it was really very powerful. I, I couldn't stop crying. It was very difficult. The people in the group were extremely, extremely warm with me, gave me Kleenexes and um, hugged me, which is also culturally quite difficult to hug someone you don't know, but it was so welcome and it felt so good. It was, was very powerful. And the person who was chairing the meeting uh, that particular night turned out to be my sponsor and it I, could, I couldn't have hoped for a better match. I mean, we're very similar for in terms of how we are, and we couldn't be uh, less similar in, term, in terms of background. We just found each other, and she's a very, very strong woman. Yeah, I'm thankful for the time she has taken uh, for me and for the other sponsor, sponsee that she has. So sponsorship is a, is a big deal here in our meetings. Did you ask her to be your sponsor, or did she volunteer to be your sponsor hmm, interesting i think we we talked about she was chairing the meeting so we talked about how i should go about it and she volunteered to a trial period uh -huh. she was very tactful about it had somebody said i'm going to be your sponsor uh, maybe i wouldn't have accepted it mm -hmm. had somebody said well you need a sponsor but not me it would have been difficult mm -hmm. so it was really um It was really perfect the way it happened. And we had a trial a couple of weeks, and then it was very clear that we, we were working well together. And I, I was very clear I wanted to have her as my sponsor. And this was also one of those coincidences, or better named um, higher power yeah. um, details. Um, she was chairing that particular meeting. And after that, I think she only chaired a few. So I really happened to, to be there and to arrive to Al-Anon on that particular day and night when she was chairing it. 
Um, I've also experienced other meetings with other groups or also with my group where the meeting doesn't necessarily go the way I think it should be going, obviously, with my II. And had I had I arrived at a different time, maybe I wouldn't have sticked with Al-Anon. But this was exactly, everything fell um, into pieces. She was chairing it. It was um, at a church that I knew. It was in English. It wasn't far away. Um, it was the day that I could have childcare organized for us. So everything seemed to really fall into places. Um, yeah, and the rest is history, I would say. I was listening to an episode of the Recovered podcast, which a friend of mine does. It's more AA-focused recovery. And they were talking about sponsorship, and one of his guests, I think it was, made the I think it was recovered. It might have been an open talk, but I think it was recovered. And we're talking about how somebody who is new in AA doesn't usually have the the knowledge, the experience, the the presence of mind. Sometimes I think um, you're pretty fuzzy when you start into recovery from addiction, and to to pick a good sponsor. And they were very much of the opinion that. It was the responsibility of the people who'd been in the program longer to put themselves forward as a sponsor to a newcomer. And I hadn't heard that expressed that way before. I had had heard AAs talk about coming into their meeting and somebody walking up and saying, I'm your sponsor, you're going to call me, et cetera, et cetera. And I always thought that was a little bit, um, um, I don't know what, exactly what the word is, but uh, and that, to a large extent, we don't do that in Al-Anon, but it makes me wonder, um, especially when I see people who are, are struggling with issues that really maybe a sponsor would help them, uh, and and they wouldn't have to spend so much time in meetings complaining, and there's, you know, my ego coming into it because I'd rather you know, not hear that so much, but... <laughs> Uh, I'm rambling a little bit here, but my, I guess my, my, my point is is wondering whether it might be good in our program also to sort of encourage people to suggest to a newcomer that, as and, and I like the way that, that you say that the, the woman who's your sponsor did it, that she suggested a, a sort of a trial period, a temporary, I don't know what exactly words she might have used. I, um, I have a couple of times I've got guys that I sponsor, uh, where in one case, uh, somebody was, was really talking in a meeting about something he was struggling hard with. And after the meeting, I went up and said, uh, you know, do you have a sponsor? Cause it really sounds like that's something you could uh, work out with a sponsor. And he said, no, I don't. Will you be mine? Uh, so I kind of stepped right into that one. Uh, and I learned a lot from him. He was he was somebody that was sort of frustrating for me to be a sponsor too, but but I learned a lot from him, and and hopefully he got something from the relationship as well. And and then there's another guy. I just went up and gave him my phone number after the meeting. He was new to the meeting, and and he said, "Thanks, and will you be my sponsor?" <laughs> like, um, and both of those guys were coming from AA, so they were already, I think, open to that idea. They already had a, a sponsor in the, in the AA program. Um, but they recognize the importance of of having a sponsor in, in each program separately. And I think a lot of people don't really understand what it's for and, and why it could be beneficial. 
Um, maybe you could say a little bit about what that sponsorship has done for your recovery and, and how um, you work with your sponsor. The first thing that amazes me is that a sponsor will um, have the time for me every day. Um, will take the time to take my phone call and catch up on what's happening with my life and what's going on with me. That I think it's amazing. My sponsor, she is a very wise woman, although she's uh, relatively young. She is already, I think, five, six years into Al-Anon. And what I hear from her and I actually also get from her is that I'm not alone and there are other people who have been in my situation and I will go through this. There is light after the tunnel. And it seems quite simple and too clear um, to be explained, but I needed somebody to explain that to me. I needed somebody to tell me I also have been through this and there is hope. This too shall pass. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I needed somebody to tell me and to share with me what I'm going through. I also learned, I mean, I learn every day from our talks or even just by knowing that she's there for me. Um, I learn different things. I learned that I can ask for help and that I can accept help. That was always problematic for me. I was giving a lot of help, but had difficulties in accepting help from others. I think I was sort of keeping track. I've helped everyone, so now, I don't know, the ball is on my side of the court kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I always wanted to be one step ahead. And she she taught me and showed me that help doesn't come with a scorecard. And that's a big lesson I've learned. And the last couple of months, I've accepted help from different people, from friends. And it felt good to accept it and wonderful things have happened. So coincidences and, and things happened that made us all happy and it wouldn't have happened had I not accepted help from my friends and family. They've been there for many years and they've been offering help, but I never really took it. Yeah. yeah. Are you uh, working through the steps at all yet? Yes. Step one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That big one. Yes, so um, I was somehow waiting. I wanted to get the perfect notebook, the perfect pen, the perfect moment. And there is no perfect moment. So um, I'm almost done with first uh, with my first step. Yeah, it's, it's work, but I like to do it. I like to find time for it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the other steps. I, I've heard about, so to speak, difficult steps and easier steps so it's all coming up <laughs> i think in my experience i think each of the steps has its own challenge um its own difficulty and and uh, i for me different steps at different times in my life have been easier or harder um, mm -hmm. so as you're doing this uh, do you meet regularly we talk almost every day uh-huh we see each other at the meeting when we both uh, attend and um, we set up appointments here and there, but we speak daily. So what would you say to someone who maybe has never been to a meeting or is new to the program and, and is in a, in a situation like you are where you're in a different country 
a different culture and a different language, um, but needing needing some help um, with a, you know an alcoholic or addictive situation. What might you say to someone if you met them? Well, I would uh, share with them they're not alone. I think that always is a good start. I would let them know they're not alone. Many people have gone through that. I would let them know that they have a choice. That goes back to our reading from earlier on. They do have a choice. One thing that I also got to learn through the program is the disease of codependency. That was not something I was familiar with before I came into Al-Anon. And that was a big step for me, realizing that I'm also dealing with a disease that I also need treatment for that. I couldn't understand why I reacted to um, the alcoholic's actions and words in such a way. And now I know why, because alcoholism is a family disease and it affects everyone that comes into contact with the alcoholic. And so I'm also, yeah, I also need treatment, so to speak. That's not always an easy one for us to hear, is it? No. I, I know that once once I recognized how I had been, or not how, but that I had been severely affected by the alcoholism, that it was it was affecting my thoughts and my actions and my health, then that I think that also helped me to understand why I was coming to meetings. Because for so long I thought it wasn't my problem. Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I became a different person because of this disease. And I didn't understand how, why, what was happening. Through the readings and the shares, I understood. It is a, a process that affects everybody who comes into contact with alcohol and the disease of alcoholism. And therefore, also the people I was in touch with also were affected by that through my actions and words and reactions. And that came pretty was pretty clear to me um, after a couple of meetings and after the readings. And that was good to know because I finally had a word for what was happening. Mm. And the same thing was with alcoholism. I I wasn't understanding what was happening with my qualifier. I was reading for years about borderline personality and all sorts of mental illnesses because I couldn't understand what was happening. And when I realized it was an alcohol problem, somehow I was happy to have a diagnosis and to know, to have a word, to have yeah. a disease. That's a, that's a great recognition um, that when we can start to name something, then it becomes easier to to see a path forward or that there is a path maybe not we, that we can see yet so i wanted to close um, and i don't remember if you read this at the beginning the today's reminder section from that reading um, in the daily reader and one day at a time when i'm faced with a problem that seems impossible to solve when i feel trapped in a situation and can see no way out let me ask myself whether i am standing in my own light I must find the vantage point where I can see most clearly my difficulty as it is, then answers will come. 
And that, that just feels like step one to me. Yes. So you picked um, a song that was meaningful to you about, uh, not you said not so much about recovery, but more about um, a codependent relationship, and that was the police song, Every Breath You Take. I wonder if you could say a few words about what, what that song says to you. Yes, I I was always a big Sting police fan. I thought Sting was a very smart guy and well-spoken and great singer. And um, I loved this song, of course, growing up. I was young when this was a big hit. And behind the lyrics, every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. I could never figure out as a young girl, why is that supposed to be good? I don't want somebody who's like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want a boyfriend who's behind me every step I make. That's not, that's not what I want. And ironically, this was the most popular love song for many years. So when I um, listen to this song again, I think of an Al-Anon relationship or of a, of a problematic love relationship, because this is not exactly what I would expect from a, from a partner. In the next section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery and we take, a, take some time to reflect on how recovery has been working in our life in the, in the past week or so. I went to uh, my Saturday morning meeting yesterday and we were talking about step 12. So having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And every time we go through the reading for the step, when we read in that meeting, we read from the book Paths to Recovery, the section about the step. And I always find some part of the reading that speaks to me that day. And there were a couple of things that, that, that came out for me yesterday. One was about, there's a, there's a phrase in the reading about um, going with the flow. And I was thinking about how what I have learned in recovery in particular about acceptance. And again, that comes back to me very much to step one about understanding what I have power over and what I don't have power over has made it so much easier for me when I'm in a potentially frustrating situation to uh, go with the flow, whether it's uh, driving in traffic that is never moving as smoothly and as quickly as I would like it to, or maybe waiting for, for something to happen at work or whatever it is, just understanding that I don't have the power to change it and that I have a choice. I can choose to be frustrated. I can choose to be tense or I can choose to relax and just understand that this is, this is what is right now and, and I can go with it. And I have to say that the second choice is a lot easier on my, my health, on my spirit. Uh, and the other thing that I was thinking about was 
and that comes sort of directly to this notion of, hey, how's, how's recovery working in my life this week? Is about practicing these principles. And in particular, thought about an incident on Friday. I was in a meeting at work where I really used, used some of the steps very quickly in a situation where one of the people in the meeting was, was asking a question and I reacted to that question somewhat angrily in in my answer and she called me on it and she said what was that about what, what was that tone of voice about and and i it made me stop and really just do a very quick inventory of myself like what was going on here what was i feeling and i recognized that i had taken her question as a, an attack and i was reacting defensively that i had taken her question as a sort of a statement that I didn't know what I was saying and that there must be a better, a better answer. And, and what she had really meant was just clarifying that she really understood what I was saying in the first place. And, and when we had that little conversation, when I said, I'm sorry, I took, I took your question as, as an attack, uh, as questioning my, my competence. And, and, and I recognized that that was not the way you meant it. Then we were able to just go on and not, have that thing between us anymore. And, and those little things that happen in my life now that are totally not about alcoholism, totally not about, um, you know, somebody's drinking, uh, just make, make my life so much easier now. And practicing these principles makes my life so much easier. And I know that's something that we can start to do. I think almost from the beginning, as we start to learn tools in the program is, uh, that we can apply them to more than than the alcoholic situation and and make our lives easier in all parts um, and that that's a real gift to me of of recovery that I never expected i I came here because i didn't know how i didn't know how to deal with my wife's drinking anymore i just didn't didn't know what to do, and I recognized finally that I was in a lot of pain, and that maybe this Al-Anon thing would help me get through that pain. And I found so much more than that. So that's that's my brief uh, recollection of of recovery in my life this week. How about yourself? Well, I I agree. I I've become a much better driver ever since I'm in Al-Anon. I used to be pretty aggressive and. I don't mind if somebody cuts me off. And I've been I've become a better parent. That's always a struggle. I I have a better understanding of how I react now to my child action my child's action. That was really something that was very clear to me as of the second week of my Alma meetings. I was losing my patience. I was um, screaming, and it was it was everything really very Alanon picture. I really was very disciplined about it, and I understood this is I'm only passing over what I'm getting, and I'm not doing this anymore. Every day, I try to have more patience, and I try to be more understanding and. This is getting better and better every day. Um, still, I'm stressed out running from work to school, swimming, practice, and um, children here and there, and I always get stressed out. And then 
but I do, I do take the time to appreciate the good moment. The other day, I was bringing two young girls from the pool back home, and I had a parent teaching meeting. I was running late for, and I, as I was running and stressing, one of the two girls stopped and said, "Oh, look up in the sky! Look at that cloud! It's so beautiful." And I took the time, although I was late, to look at the cloud and see how beautiful this cloud was. And this is a consequence of my Al-Anon work. I, I understood that was important and that it didn't matter whether I was going to be late or not. Thank you. Upcoming topics include faith and fear, or maybe it's fear and faith. We welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Please leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your feedback or questions. And Laura, how can people do that? Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now. You can use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. Or if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send an email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. We'd love to hear from you, so share your experience, strength, and hope, or your own story. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And you can get all the information about the show on our website, which is therecoveryshow.com. If you're sharing the uh, podcast with a friend, just send them to therecoveryshow.com. We have notes for each episode and occasional blog, links to the music we talk about, got a page about how to subscribe. If you have a smartphone, recommend it that you subscribe, then you won't miss an episode. It'll be downloaded automatically to your phone every week. And we also have links to some other recovery podcasts and websites. And if you'd like to join the conversation as Laura did today uh, by being a guest host, we do have information on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash contact which also has the phone number, the email address, and and a bunch of other stuff. So go to the website and find out everything that that we have. We got no email or voicemail this week, so we'll just proceed. And it doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. They run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like, well, nobody did this week, but I thank the people who have supported us in the past. And we have also put together a list of recovery-related books. If you click on the books link at the top of the page, in the menu at the top of the page, you can find those. And if you order one of those books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. I do apologize for international listeners. All the Amazon links go to the U.S. store, which I know doesn't work for you. I'm, I'm working on... Um, a friend of mine has recommended a, a piece of software I can use that should make those links more international. Um, so I'm working on that. We'll get there. In any case, if you're in the U.S. And, and you buy one of these books after clicking on the links or buy anything from Amazon after clicking on one of the links, it does help us. We get a small commission from the sale. It costs you nothing extra, and it does help to keep us going. So thank you for your support in whatever form you give it. Whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, as I said, direct them to therecoveryshow.com, or just listening. We are here for you. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. 
whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.